Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. There were murmurs and nervous whispers in the audience at Columbia University that day in 1881. Anticipation filled the air as the audience waited excitedly for the show that was about to happen. The room was packed as the man they'd all come to see stepped up on stage and began to perform his magic show. No, he wasn't a stage magician, not like you're thinking. There was no pulling a rabbit out of a hat or sawing a woman in half. No silly card tricks or sleight of hand. But to be sure, what this man was here to do was demonstrate magic. Real magic. The kind of magic that would change the world. His audience that day were mostly students of electrical engineering, but they might as well have been a rapt audience of six-year-olds at a birthday party, for how excited they were to see the magician. After all, his reputation preceded him. Everyone knew how brilliant the magician was, and they all knew that they were in for one heck of a show. Allow me to set the stage for you. The magician stood before them looking handsome and debonair in a nice suit, with his intense dark eyes and perfectly combed hair and mustache. To either side of him hung two large sheets of zinc dangling from wires about 15 feet apart. You could trace those wires all the way back to a dynamo, and, and for those who aren't familiar with the term, a dynamo is a large machine with rotating parts that spin around really fast and transforms all that mechanical energy into electrical energy. By the time they cranked that dynamo up to its full capacity on that particular day, the electric current being generated was approximately 250,000 volts. That was more than enough electricity to fry everyone in the room, especially the magician, who stood directly in the center of where all that electric current was soon to be directed. But the magician wasn't afraid. He was amused, in fact. Like any good magician, he was a showman first and foremost, and he knew his craft well. Although to some observers it might seem like the magician was in real danger and the magician remained calm and collected. Completely sure of himself and of the sorcery he was about to perform. He had no fear of harm, for he trusted the science, and he knew it was all perfectly safe. But for now the magician simply took his moment in the spotlight in front of all these bright young minds by demonstrating his most show-stopping trick. That's when the magician picked up an ordinary glass tube. There were no wires attached to the tube, and the magician had nothing up his sleeve. But when the switch was thrown and the electricity began to crackle and hum through the air, that empty glass tube began to glow with light. There were gasps in the crowd as the magician swung the tube around like a magic wand, because that's what it was. As long as that tube remained within the electric field, it glowed brilliantly. The audience clapped and cheered. And by the time this demonstration was concluded, the entire room full of people were on their feet, giving the magician a standing ovation. The magician grinned broadly and gave a little bow. 
Newspaper reports about the demonstration at Columbia University that day in 1891 would hail the magician, whose name was Nikola Tesla, as a certified genius, which he undoubtedly was. But although the name Nikola Tesla has gone down in history as one of our greatest scientific minds, right up there with Einstein and Copernicus, throughout his life he was a troubled genius as well. Today, Tesla is often credited with coming up with the concepts that led to so many of the modern conveniences that we take for granted today. Everything from radio to fax machines to robots, to remote controls and to hydroelectric power. But there were other things that Tesla invented as well. Inventions that some people believe might have changed the world in much more sinister ways. And some even claim could have destroyed it. I'm Nate Hale, coming to you live from the secret alien underground base in Dulce, New Mexico. And this is The Conspirators. Nikola Tesla was born on July 10, 1856, in a tiny ethnic Serbian village in what is now modern-day Croatia. There is a family story about him that probably isn't true, but still gets told about the night he was born. Supposedly, Nikola Tesla was born right at the stroke of midnight as a thunderstorm was raging outside. The midwife looked at Tesla's mother and told her, he'll be a child of the storm. To which, Tesla's mother replied, no, a child of light. Tesla's father was a Greek Orthodox priest, and he wanted his son to follow in his footsteps. But instead, Tesla took after his mother, who was exceptionally bright and who had her own penchant for coming up with ingenious solutions, to helping out with farming and other conveniences for making life easier at home. Tesla was an unusual child right from the start. He was bright and precocious, and he had an intense curiosity about the way things worked. He became interested in electricity as early as three years old when he noticed the static charge that built up as he stroked his cat. His very first invention was a hook designed to help him catch frogs. At the age of six, he constructed a rotating spindle that was powered by June bugs. One other thing about Tesla was that ever since he was a child, he could become overwhelmed with spontaneous visions. It's because of these visions and some of his other traits that some people have speculated where he born today might have been diagnosed as being somewhere on the autism spectrum. But, that's purely speculation. What we do know is that Tesla had a tremendous imagination. In his mind, he would dream of traveling the world and seeing all the sights he only read about in books, all in vivid detail. Over time, Tesla learned how to focus these visions into inventing machines all without writing down a single plan on paper. Throughout his life, Tesla liked to brag that he could work out his inventions entirely in his head, making improvements and operating the machine all within his mind. Tesla was also an obsessive learner. When he became interested in a subject, he would read everything he could about it. He claimed to have a photographic memory. He memorized all of Faust and read every word Voltaire ever wrote. At age 21, he won a scholarship to a polytechnic university in Graz, Austria, where he studied non-stop, sometimes as much as 20 hours a day. All that genius and self-confidence also generated a lot of conflict. He often argued with his professors, challenging their lessons. When one professor told the class that it was impossible to build a motor that ran on alternating current, Tesla stood up and announced to the class that he would build it. We should take a moment to talk about electricity since that remains the center of many of Nikola Tesla's greatest inventions. 
In terms of how electricity is generated and delivered, there are two varieties, direct current, DC, and alternating current, AC. Direct current flows through wires in a one-way path, with the electrons being sent from a generator to their destination. In practical terms, back in the late 19th century, this would be a person's home or business. Thomas Edison was the biggest proponent of direct current by the time Tesla arrived in New York in 1884. Edison had both spent and made a substantial fortune by that point setting up the very first direct current electrical grid, with more than 80,000 feet of copper conductors underneath the streets of New York City. Edison envisioned a world that moved away from the gas lamps of old to a world lit by his Edison light bulbs. But Thomas Edison's direct current had some major limitations. Mainly, that direct current couldn't travel very far, and it needed a generating station every mile for the electricity to keep the electrons flowing where they needed to go. But by the time he was 26, Tesla had a vision of a different type of generator, one in which the electrons vibrated back and forth in both directions like the tides of the ocean moving in and out. This type of alternating current wouldn't have the limitations of direct current, it wouldn't lose as much energy as it traveled, meaning that the electricity could travel much greater distances and wouldn't need so many costly generators. Spoiler alert, Tesla was right. And this is the type of electricity you plug all your electronic devices inside your homes into every day. For a time, Tesla worked as an engineer at a Paris branch of Thomas Edison's company. But he knew that if he were ever to get his revolutionary idea off the ground, he would need an audience with the man himself. So he got a recommendation letter from one of his employers and he hopped on a boat to New York with only four cents in his pocket in order to meet with the man history often calls the greatest inventor that ever lived. At the time, Tesla was a great admirer of Thomas Edison and he thought the man would embrace his ideas with open arms. Edison did hire Tesla right on the spot, but it soon became apparent that the men had very different ideas on inventing and especially different ideas on business. Tesla was a scientist and engineer first and foremost. He saw science as a series of problems that needed to be solved just for the sake of solving them. Edison, on the other hand, was a competitive businessman with a gift for inventing things. Edison primarily saw his inventions as a means to make money, whereas Tesla would work out his inventions inside his remarkable brain. Thomas Edison was more hands-on and would figure out how to build things by rolling up his sleeves and getting his hands dirty. He was famous for saying he had not failed, he just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. Early on, Edison offered Tesla $50,000 if he could improve one of his DC generator plants. Tesla did it within a few months. Then when he showed up in Edison's office asking to be paid, Edison laughed him off and said that when you become a full-fledged American, you will appreciate a joke when you hear one. Tesla didn't think this was the least bit humorous. He became furious and quit on the spot. He took a job digging ditches for a short while, but he soon got a job working in a lab for the Western Union Company, where he at long last got a chance to begin working on the AC power system he dreamed of. Tesla patented many of his AC motors and electrical systems, which went on to become some of the most valuable inventions in history. Eventually, Tesla went into business with George Westinghouse, who was able to see how revolutionary Tesla's inventions really were. He drew up a contract to license Tesla's patents for $60,000, which included $5,000 cash and 150 shares in the Westinghouse Corporation. He also agreed to pay royalties of $2.50 per horsepower based on how much electricity Westinghouse sold, all in an attempt to unseat Thomas Edison's direct current business. 
But as Westinghouse and Tesla began to win the so-called War of the Currents, Westinghouse realized that all the money and royalties he owed Tesla could bankrupt the company many times over. Tesla, who was never a good businessman, instead of renegotiating the contract down to, say, 10 cents for every kilowatt generated, instead tore up the contract out of good faith. If he'd kept it intact, it's estimated that Tesla might have been worth billions of dollars, making him one of, if not the, wealthiest man in the world at the time. But instead, Tesla turned to Westinghouse and other investors to begin funding his research into electricity and his many other inventions. One of the most important of which was the so-called Tesla coil, a device that could generate high voltages through the air. Early on, Tesla realized that these coils could not only send electricity through the air, but radio waves as well. He patented this radio beaming technology in 1897, beating Guglielmo Marconi. In 1898, he invented a radio-controlled boat that he drove through the waters of Manhattan. For several years, he tried to sell this idea to the Navy without success. Although Marconi began testing his own radio invention around the same time, history and the legal system both proved that Tesla was the first to invent radio. When Marconi won the Nobel Prize in 1911, Tesla was furious. And he sued the Marconi Company for patent infringement in 1915. This patent fight would drag on in the courts for three more decades as to which inventor really came up with radio first. Tesla ultimately won, but this only occurred in 1943 after both men were already dead. In 1899, Tesla headed west where he set up a lab outside the resort town of Colorado Springs where he continued working on what he referred to as cold light, which was the same wireless energy that he used to light the glass tube in his demonstration in Columbia University. Most of Tesla's greatest inventions were all centered around the idea of delivering energy wirelessly. One way he determined he could do this was by sending it through the Earth itself. By observing lightning striking the ground, he got the idea that he could do the same by transmitting electricity great distances through the Earth. At one point, Tesla set up an experiment where he placed a number of vacuum tubes in the dirt and surrounded them with a 50-foot square of wire through which he created an electrical field. The result was that all the bulbs in the ground lit up. He then moved on to larger experiments with sending electricity through the earth, much, much larger. Tesla's laboratory in Colorado Springs was a mad scientist's dream straight out of an old science fiction movie. It was built with an 80-foot tower and a roof that could retract to prevent it from catching fire. Atop the tower was a 142-foot metal mass supporting a large copper ball. Inside the lab, Tesla and his assistants constructed a massive Tesla coil designed to direct electrical impulses straight into the Earth. On the evening of his biggest experiment, Tesla ordered his assistant to open the switch on the Tesla coil for only one second. But the results were spectacular. The secondary coil began to crackle and glow with an eerie blue corona. Massive arcs of blue electricity snaked up and down the center coil. Enormous bolts of man-made lightning shot up the length of the mast atop the tower and up more than 100 feet into the sky. This generated so much power it burned out the dynamo at the nearest electrical company, plunging the town of Colorado Springs into darkness. Tesla was forced to pay for the damages. In the meantime, Tesla kept dreaming of new inventions. One of his biggest ideas, both in size and scope of changing the world, was his idea that electricity and even messages could be generated and sent wirelessly through the air. After he left Colorado Springs, Tesla convinced financier J.P. Morgan to put up $150,000 to build the giant transmission tower known as Wardenclyffe in Shoreham, Long Island, New York. 
With this tower, Tesla expected to be able to send not only electricity, but telephonic and even facsimile images around the world to other countries and ships at sea. Businessmen like J.P. Morgan saw this as a potential game-changer for the rapid transmission of financial data. The one part of the story that Tesla downplayed, though, was that his main goal was creating a world where free energy was being delivered to anyone anywhere. But free doesn't pay the bills, and Tesla's rich backers weren't too happy at the thought of giving away free energy to the world. Work began on building Wardenclyffe Tower in 1901. But as construction progressed, it soon became apparent that Tesla was going to run out of money before it was finished. Tesla tried to get more money to finish the project, but was turned away. In the meantime, Marconi was getting credit as the inventor of radio and was becoming rich, which only further enraged Tesla since he knew the man was using several of his inventions to do so. By 1917, Wardenclyffe Tower was torn down and sold off for scrap. This led to Tesla having an emotional and mental breakdown. Even before it got to that point, Tesla had begun showing signs of obsessive-compulsive disorder. Back in 1882, when he was still living in Hungary, he suffered his first nervous breakdown and was committed to a psychiatric facility. Throughout his life, he became fixated on cleanliness as well as the number three. He began both washing and shaking hands, all with the number three. He would circle a building three times before entering. In his younger days, when he would swim laps, he made sure to do 27 of them because it was divisible by three. When he ate a meal, he needed to have 18 napkins on the table and he would count his steps anywhere he went. He claimed to have developed an abnormal sensitivity to both light and sound. He also said he couldn't stand the sight of women wearing earrings, in particular pearls, nor could he stand the idea of touching human hair. Toward the end of his life, he also developed a strange obsession with pigeons. There was one female pigeon in particular he claimed to have fallen in love with. One night, Tesla said that this particular white pigeon flew in through an open window at his hotel, where he said the bird had come to tell him she was dying. The pigeon died in his arms, and then suddenly he had a vision of a blinding light more intense than anything he'd ever seen. And in that moment, he knew he had to finish his life's work. But Tesla didn't finish his life's work. He died penniless in his New York hotel of a heart attack in January 1943. And that's where things get even weirder. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. One story goes that a couple days after Nikola Tesla's death, his nephew Sava Kosanovich went to Tesla's hotel room to gather his belongings and was surprised to find that Tesla's papers detailing his life's work weren't there. They had been seized by the FBI. At the time, Kosanovich had been riding his famous uncle's coattails and had become the Yugoslav ambassador to the United States. Despite being named as the rightful heir to Tesla's estate, the federal government refused to give Kasanovich Tesla's papers for national security reasons. So what was so dangerous in those papers that the U.S. government would want to keep them secret? Well, that's where we start to drift into mad scientist territory. Tesla was quite famous back in his day, even as he lived the remainder of his life in relative poverty, having made the cover of several magazines and newspapers about his accomplishments. 
It's even said that a number of mad scientist characters like the villain of the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons was modeled after Tesla. Back when Tesla was working in his lab in Colorado Springs, he became convinced he began receiving radio signals from Mars. On January 5, 1901, Tesla received three faint radio signals that he believed to have been sent from Martians attempting to say hello. Today, it's widely believed that Tesla likely picked up signals from a pulsar, a cosmic event which no one knew existed at the time. But back at the turn of the century, Tesla's discovery was widely reported and only added to the widespread public speculation that there was life on the Red Planet. But talking to Martians wasn't the only strange thing that came out of Tesla's labs. And some of those inventions might have had deadly consequences. Take, for example, Tesla's earthquake machine. Throughout his life, Tesla was fascinated with the way energy can oscillate. This is part of the basis of his work with AC current. In 1896, Tesla came up with the idea for a steam-powered oscillator. The idea was that the machine could generate various frequencies. If their frequency matched the resonance frequency, a receiving device could then transform those mechanical oscillations into an electric current. He continued to work on this device over the next two years, and in 1898, legend has it that he put it to the test at his New York laboratory. The problem was this oscillator shook the earth so much that the neighbors ended up calling the police and ambulances thinking there was an earthquake. According to an article that ran in the February 1912 issue of the World Today magazine, Tesla claimed to have gone out in the street looking for a partially erected steel building. He found the perfect test subject at a construction site near Wall Street. This was a building in progress that stood 10 stories tall, and at that point was just the steel structure with no brick or stone laid yet. Tesla clamped his oscillator to one of the beams and turned it on. Tesla said that within minutes the structure soon began to creak and weave back and forth. All the construction workers became convinced the steel structure was about to come down. Tesla later told a reporter he was convinced that if he had let the experiment go on, he could have done just that. In fact, Tesla was so certain of his invention that he claimed that he could make the Brooklyn Bridge collapse into the East River in less than an hour. If all that sounds crazy, then think about this. That was just Tesla's small portable unit. Back in his laboratory, he began tinkering on a much larger device, one with a massive piston vibrating in a cylinder that Tesla believed could be used to match the Earth's frequency, causing earthquakes larger than the 7.9 magnitude quake that leveled San Francisco in 1906. But Tesla wasn't thinking in terms of causing mass destruction, though. He thought his device could be used for the opposite means by actually relieving built-up energy along fall lines in the Earth and preventing large earthquakes from happening. But Tesla's device never got past the prototype stage. In 2006, the television show Mythbusters attempted to build their own earthquake machine based on Tesla's designs, and they determined that it didn't work. Keep this in mind, though. If the ability for humans to generate earthquakes sounds crazy, it shouldn't. Because we not only have the technology today to do so, Human beings have actually done it. There's even a term for it, induced seismicity. Now, when we talk about human-created earthquakes, we're typically talking about events that have occurred as an inadvertent side effect of other technology, not some mad scientist's attempt to create a device that can shatter the Earth apart. Hydraulic fracturing, or fracking, is a process where millions of gallons of chemically treated water are pumped into the Earth to break apart rocks to get at the trapped oil within. But one of the many negative consequences of this action is that it has also been shown to create small earthquakes in the surrounding area, as the ground underneath people's feet becomes unstable and begins to shift. 
Likewise, underground nuclear testing in the 1960s and some more modern geothermal energy experiments have also been known to cause rumbling felt underground many miles away in every direction. There has even been scientific research done into the ways in which high-energy electromagnetic pulses have been shown to trigger the release of energy stored by tectonic movements, which trigger local earthquakes within a few days after the EMP pulse was generated. Much like Tesla suggested more than a century ago, some scientists have even theorized that these electromagnetic pulses can potentially be used one day to help relieve the natural stresses that occur along fault lines to reduce the severity of massive earthquakes that would otherwise occur naturally. But for now at least, such technology is still theoretical. As far as we know. But the earthquake machine isn't the only deadly weapon Nikola Tesla ever claimed to have invented. The most well-known of which has to be Tesla's death ray. By the 1930s, Tesla was in serious trouble. Both his physical and mental health were declining. He was also dead broke most of the time. This man who once had millionaire investors lined up in his doorstep was now hoarding newspapers and birdseed. He mostly lived by moving from hotel to hotel. Once he racked up a huge bill, he'd simply move out and go to another hotel. It was only because of his famous name that anyone let him stay. Although throughout Tesla's career he hoped to be able to create a system that could beam enough free energy through the air to power cities, as early as 1915 he began talking about another, much more sinister application for this technology. He spoke coyly to reporters about a weapon that he thought could actually bring an end to all wars. A weapon so deadly that no one would ever be able to challenge it. This was a device that could fire a beam of metal ions hurtling at 270,000 miles per hour. This beam of energy would pack 100 billion watts into just 100 millionth of a square centimeter, or in short, a death ray. Tesla referred to this weapon as the Teleforce, but most newspapers tended to refer to it as Tesla's death ray. Supposedly, this charged particle weapon could bring down airplanes from 250 miles away. And even though Tesla never produced evidence that this device worked, there are some people who point to one devastating incident in history as proof that not only did it work, but Tesla even used it, at least once. On June 30, 1908, something devastating happened to 800 square miles of forest near the Tunguska River in Siberia. A massive explosion occurred thousands of times more powerful than the nuclear bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Seismic tremors were felt as far away as Great Britain. In that instant, an estimated 80 million trees were flattened and thousands of animals were vaporized. Although the most widely accepted scientific explanation today of the Tunguska event is that a comet or large meteor exploded in the atmosphere over the Siberian forest. But one of the wilder explanations ever put forth was that it was the result of Tesla testing his death ray. This would have been right around the time when Tesla's chief financial backer of his Wardenclyffe Tower, J.P. Morgan, was growing dissatisfied with the results of Tesla's experiments and threatening to pull his funding. So it's been theorized that Tesla decided to go for broke and stage one hell of a publicity stunt to try to drum up new funding for his research. So the story goes that back in 1908, one of the most revered explorers in history, Admiral Robert Peary, was on his expedition to be the first man to reach the North Pole. At the time of the Tunguska blast in 1908, Peary and his party were camped out at Ellesmere Island in preparation for the next leg of the journey. There are some stories that claim before Peary headed out on his expedition, Tesla equipped him with a special radio receiver he built himself that would allow him and the rest of the world to remain in contact with him. 
When Tesla was ready to test his death ray, he radioed Perry and told him to watch the skies for signals. Perry asked what sort of signals he should be looking for. Tesla simply said, you'll know it when you see it. If this story is to be believed, then Tesla's publicity stunt actually went horribly wrong. Tesla probably meant for his energy beam to create a spectacular light show in the sky over Ellesmere Island. According to this theory, Tesla powered up the capacitors inside Wardenclyffe Tower, then released it all in one gigantic burst of energy. Only Tesla greatly underestimated the amount of energy he unleashed, and it overshot Ellesmere Island by hundreds of miles, instead striking the ground in Tunguska. Most scientists today remain fairly certain the Tunguska event was the result of a meteor or a comet exploding in the atmosphere over the Siberian forest. As evidence, we can point to a much more recent event, when in 2015 a meteor that was estimated to be around 60 feet across entered the atmosphere over Chelyabinsk, Russia, shattering windows, lighting up the sky, and even causing burns to people's skin and eyes. But at the same time, there were many eyewitness reports from Tunguska in 1908 that give anecdotal accounts that contradict the meteor story. Some locals who lived in Siberia claimed to have witnessed strange lights in the sky that occurred before and lingered long after the Tunguska explosion. A meteor wouldn't have done that. Also, there were some eyewitnesses as far away as England who claimed the night sky lit up so bright you could read a newspaper by it. One other curious detail that only adds to the speculation that the Tunguska event was caused by Nikola Tesla's death ray is the fact that you can trace a straight line around the globe that stretches from Wardenclyffe Tower right over Ellesmere Island and all the way to Tunguska. Although Tesla never publicly admitted to having caused the Tunguska explosion, he wasn't exactly shy about talking about his teleforce ray either. In March of 1907, there was even speculation in newspapers that the French battleship the Aiena had been destroyed by some sort of wireless energy weapon. Tesla's name came up more than once in some of the articles surrounding the ship's mysterious destruction. This was because Tesla often wrote letters to various newspapers and magazines telling them he had harnessed the cosmic energy of the universe and had used it to build a directed energy weapon that could destroy targets from hundreds of miles away. By the time World War II was in full swing, there was some hope in the press and among members of the Allied forces that Tesla's death ray really did exist and worked as described. Such a weapon would be a literal game-changer against the deadly Nazi Air Force. Citizens of Tesla's native Yugoslavia begged their hometown hero to return and use his weapon to defend them from the Nazi evaders. But by that point, Tesla was in no shape to help out in the war effort. By the time the war kicked off in 1939, Tesla was in his 80s and in ill health, both physically and mentally. He was skeletally thin and prone to fainting fits. His OCD was in overdrive, and this was also the same time he was professing his love to pigeons. By early 1943, he had moved into a room on the 33rd floor of the New Yorker Hotel near Penn Station. He had a Do Not Disturb sign that perpetually hung on his front door. On January 8th, a maid decided to enter the room anyway, and that's when she found the 86-year-old scientist naked and dead in his room. This was at the height of the war, so if there was any chance the scientists really did have plans for some game-changing weapons, then the Allies knew they had to get their hands on those plans before the Nazis did. The story gets complicated, though, because you'll find differing versions of what actually happened after that point. Some articles you read that say Tesla's nephew, Saba Kasanovich, rushed right over to the hotel upon hearing of his uncle's death, only to discover the FBI had beaten him to the punch and swooped off with all of Tesla's important papers and belongings. 
Other versions claim that Kokosanovich got there first and brought with him a locksmith who cracked open Tesla's safe. Inside were Tesla's honorary degrees, a memorial book from Tesla's 75th birthday, and a few other personal items including Tesla's Edison Medal, which was awarded to him back in 1916. Although the items inside the safe were relatively innocent, this was a paranoid time for U.S. intelligence, who instantly branded Kosanovich, who you might recall was the Yugoslavian ambassador at the time, as a spy. Two days later, another government agency known as the Office of Alien Property seized all of Tesla's belongings and impounded them for safekeeping. Considering that Tesla was a naturalized U.S. citizen, this was probably outside the agency's jurisdiction. But with the war going on and matters of national security at stake, there wasn't much thought given to the legal ramifications of such action. On January 26, the U.S. government brought in an expert physicist to pore over Tesla's scientific papers to see if there was anything that could be used by the military. The physicist came away unimpressed by what he found. He said most of Tesla's descriptions of his death ray were purely speculative and promotional in nature, with no working plans to actually build the thing anywhere to be found. It was right around that same time when word came out about another mysterious package that Tesla left in the vault of another hotel he'd stayed at previously. There was initially some speculation that this might have been a working prototype of the death ray. The physicist and several government agents rushed over to the hotel and stood nervously by while the manager opened the vault. No one knew exactly what they would find, or even if whatever it was might have been dangerous. Inside the vault was a small cabinet wrapped in brown parcel paper. The physicist was anxious to inspect the cabinet, but before he could begin tearing off the paper wrapping, the hotel manager nervously passed him a note written by Tesla. The note read that the cabinet before him contained a prototype of a device that was worth $10,000. The scary part was that the note also said this device would explode if opened the wrong way. It was at that point when the hotel staff backed out of the room along with all the government agents. This left the physicist alone with Tesla's mystery box. The physicist didn't know what he was in for, but he decided to throw caution to the wind and began tearing open the paper. When the physicist saw what was inside, he burst out laughing. Inside was a device called a Wheatstone Bridge, which was a common scientific device used for measuring electrical resonance. There was nothing dangerous about it. So did Tesla invent a death ray? It's difficult to say exactly what Tesla was thinking when he bragged about building one. It's well known that he had suffered from mental illness throughout his life. Perhaps he was suffering from delusions that made him think he'd invented a deadly weapon straight out of a comic book. Or perhaps all this talk of death rays and earthquake-making machines was simply a ploy to get money out of the U.S. government to actually fund his research. One other story you'll hear is that when the U.S. government refused to fund Tesla's work, he did manage to convince the Soviet Union to pay him $25,000 in 1939 to work on his energy beam weapon. But if that's true, it's difficult to say where all the money went considering he was still living in squalor by the time he died. One possibility was that the worthless device stashed in the hotel vault was simply put there as phony collateral for Tesla's massive hotel bills he couldn't pay. That would also explain why he left the note warning people away from inspecting the device so that they wouldn't catch on that he was conning them. Although the physicist the government hired came away from the incident convinced that Tesla's death ray was bunk, there were others in U.S. intelligence who weren't quite so convinced. In the years after World War II, just as the Cold War was heating up, the U.S. government did start a top-secret military operation to build a particle beam weapon dubbed Project Nick. It doesn't seem like anything came from Project Nick, at least nothing that the government ever released publicly. 
But even if that project didn't go anywhere, it also didn't end the government's interest in energy beam weapons. In 1952, Tesla's nephew went to court and finally forced the government to release his uncle's papers. Although most stories state that the government originally seized 80 boxes of papers, but only gave 60 of them back, citing national security concerns. The papers Tesla's nephew did get his hands on were sent to a museum in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, where Soviet scientists would finally have access. It's only been over the last few years when even more of Tesla's papers have been declassified by the U.S. government. Did the Soviets learn anything from Tesla's papers? Between the 1950s through the 1970s, the Soviet government would occasionally make some rather ominous announcements that they were on the brink of revealing a new and fantastic weapon that would change the balance of power in the world. A long article in Aviation Week and Space Technology actually contains some leaked diagrams of a charged particle weapon that looked disturbingly similar to some of the designs described by Nikola Tesla. By the 1980s, the U.S. government began work on its own system of orbital laboratories armed with lasers or particle beams designed to shoot down Soviet missiles. The program was officially named the Strategic Defense Initiative, although most people know it today under its much more popular nickname, Star Wars. Now, the problem was the Star Wars program never worked. The U.S. government spent billions of dollars on it without much to show for their efforts. In 1988, the budget for the Star Wars program was $5.7 billion. Incidentally, that was a billion more dollars than NASA's entire budget. And yet, despite the entire Star Wars program being thought of as nothing more than a massive boondoggle, that hasn't stopped some members of government still looking to pour more money into creating their very own death ray. During the Donald Trump administration, hundreds of millions of dollars were poured into space-based energy weapons research. Which is pretty ironic when you think about it. That's because one person who thought that Tesla's death ray couldn't possibly work was the MIT physicist the government hired to pour over to the deceased scientist's research. That physicist's name was John Trump, and he was Donald Trump's uncle. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nathan Neal, an entirely fictional identity. Thanks so much for listening. Just a heads up, in my next episode, I'll be bringing you the story of one more bizarre invention that both Tesla and Edison competed to build. It's a story you don't want to miss. This week, I have some new Patreon supporters to thank. Thank you to Jeremy, Shauna, Hunter, and Jennifer for signing up and helping support the show. Just a reminder, the patrons of the show get access to all sorts of nifty bonuses, including stickers, magnets, t-shirts, and our ever-growing library of bonus mini-episodes, the latest of which just dropped as well. Another great way you can help support the show is to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I know all the podcasters ask this, but it really does help us when you subscribe and give us a five-star review. Currently, you can find the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and pretty much everywhere else you get your podcast. We also have a website, theconspiratorspodcast.com, where you can listen to our entire back catalog of shows. If I could ask you one more favor, recently our show became part of Airwave Media. If you check out the show notes, I've added a link to a brief survey that would help the show and Airwave get a better idea about who you are, my faithful listeners, in order to bring you better content in the future. Elsewhere, I encourage you to check us out on social media. Currently, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also send us an old-fashioned email at theconspiratorspodcast at gmail.com and let us know how we're doing. I love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time for even more Mad Scientist fun.